Good morning. Merry Christmas. Can you believe it? It's here. Just around the corner. Who's laughing back there? Are you prepared? Uh, I'm not going to have a show of hands who are still shopping, so. I'm Pastor Fred. I want to welcome each and every one of you here this morning. This is the place to be at this time of year, isn't it? In God's house. I want to welcome the members, the visitors. I invite you to fill out the little card that's in the pew in front of you, if you would. You can drop it in the offering plate when it goes by. It just allows us to know that you are here. If you have any prayer requests, you can put that on there as well. And we take prayer seriously around in this church. Because God does answer prayers, doesn't he? He does at that. I want to say a special thank you to this church family for bringing a lot of smiles and cheer and joy to the children across the street at Jason Lee. We had a party last Sunday, which was packed. Probably as far as our community, maybe 230 came, not to mention the church people who helped not to mention Santa Claus who was there and the elves. What a celebration. If you could just see the faces of those children and the parents of the pressure that's taken off of their shoulders because maybe those are the only gifts their kids will receive. In fact, we have received some email comments from some of the families already thanking this church because it made Christmas possible for one family. Without this church, it would have been very bleak for that family who shared with us. So family, thank you very much. Participating in the angel tree. What a blessing I know you received as well. That's what it's all about. It's about the giving. Because God gave to us. I want you to remember tomorrow night, Christmas Eve service, 6.30 here. Come expecting to be filled with God's presence and celebrate again the day that we look forward to, which is Christmas Day. I look around and I see my family, but I also see some different faces that are visiting with us. Let's just stand up, take time to greet one another and say welcome to God's house this morning. leave today. I have something for you, okay? It's so good to see family. It's good to see family 
who have traveled this Christmas season to be with their kids and their children. It's good to see moms come to visit their kids and parents and children to be with families. That's what it's all about. We have been blessed as a church, and I pray that you have been blessed as well. It's been a full year. But God is still in charge. And he'll continue to be in charge. And he will never fail us. Right now, we are so privileged to have opportunity to partner with God when it comes to our offerings of tithe and offerings for the church. But also this morning, our offering goes for the Adventist education through our conference. I don't know about you, but me as a parent, it gave me great joy to send my boys to the Adventist school. I know a lot of you in here believe the same thing. And I just pray this morning as we give, may we give freely. Listen to the Holy Spirit to impress upon us, but also to realizing that what we give today will help others, especially our children, to share with them about Jesus Christ and a relationship that they can have with their Creator. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this time of year. Thank you for your presence here with us now. And as we give this morning, we just pray you will take that money and use it according to your will within our conference and the education programs. But also, too, we know that the people will be giving according to the budget of this church, and we thank you for that as well. Father, we are so blessed and privileged to be your children. Draw close to us now. Hold us in your arms and draw us in as we experience your love and your warmth in your house this morning. In your name I pray, amen. Face of God. 
Thank you.
No, I'm going to move it myself because okay. I got my camera, a lot of things. No, I'm just going to slide a little bit. So I appreciate it though, but I'll take care. No. I feel like I gotta get ready for guests to come to my house. Good morning. I can guarantee you this is not gonna be the regular Christmas Eve type of a service. In fact, this morning, we're going to look at why Christmas. You would think, for crying out loud, Fred, we all know why Christmas, but really, do we? I know when Pastor Sergio came with the leadership skills, he was very adamant about working with the leaders and the first thing he did with the leaders was to have us address the why question why do you go to this church why do you choose to be a Seventh-day Adventist why do you believe what you believe in and in doing so he challenged us to write a why statement That was hard. <laughs> because my why statement turned into a house statement that this church is doing, but it wasn't me personally. It wasn't my why statement. And I think it takes time for us to be able to develop that because we don't ask the question, why nearly enough? In preparing for this week's sermon, you know I'm a little different. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know you're my family. I think a little different. I process a little different. And unfortunately, God talks to me a little different. Because in looking at the why statement of Christmas, folks, this is what went through my mind. And I don't have the foggiest idea what it means. No, I do, I think. A globe, a table, a box, soon to be seen. A red bowl with jigsaw puzzles my size. <laughs> Honey, 
let's get puzzled like this. I will do it with you, okay? Every holiday she gets a thousand piece puzzle. I can work a little bit on the edges. After that, I'm out of there. But today, pieces of puzzles is, to me, I think, the Lord is saying it's crucial because he wants you to participate today. Because as I speak, the puzzles will come out to you. There's a purpose for it. And then we have two names, God and man. Fred, what in the world are you doing up there? Well, you know what? I may not know, but God does. God does. And that's why I need his help right now. And I need your help as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, my prayer this morning is that your Holy Spirit will touch the life of each individual sitting here in this church. That my words will be pieces to a puzzle that will form a message in their minds that you will speak to them directly. Father, this is your house. Father, this is your time. And we are here to hear you speak. So in borrowing the words from John, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. Amen. One day, a young girl came home from school. She walked into the house close by the kitchen, and she saw her mother cut off the ends of a pot roast before she put it into the oven. Now, this girl has seen her mother do this multiple times before, but she's never asked her mom why. Today, she did. Mom's reply was, well, sweetie, <laughs> I don't know. That's just the way that my mom did it when I was a little girl. Why don't you ask Grandma? The young girl says, okay. She calls Grandma up on the phone. Grandma, why do you cut the ends off of your pot roast when you cook it in the oven? Grandma goes, well, <laughs> I don't know. That's the way that my mom did it when I was a little girl. Why don't you call your great-grandma? The little girl gets back on the phone, and she calls great-grandma, and she's at a nursing home. Great-grandma, I got a question for you. Why do you cut the ends off of the pot roast when you put it in the oven? There was a pause. And great-grandma replied, when I was married, I was in a home that had a small oven. And in order for the pot roast to fit into the oven, I had to cut the ends off. <laughs> Why? You know, it's funny, traditions like that take place, and we don't even question it. Because when someone asks you why, you go, I have the foggiest idea. 
I just know that when I grew up, that's how my folks, that's what I was taught. In fact, that was the case before I came into this church. I just did it because that's what my folks and everybody else was doing. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve. And there is a tradition in our family which I think is very good. And that is as for as long as I can remember, we as a family have gotten together. Even before my sons were born, we as a family and my sisters and their family and kids would come together at mom and dad's house. It's a tradition that I treasure. It's a tradition that has many fond memories that I will always remember, as well as my boys and their children. But as you know, my mom passed away nine years ago, and my dad passed away this year. And this Christmas Eve won't be the same. My mom loved Christmas. I think I've told all of you, they lived in Grandview, small little house, basement. At Christmas time, people would come over to their house, a knock on the door, and they would say, Herb, Dorothy, can we look in your basement? Because they knew in their basement was Santa's workshop. And they would say, sure, come on in. Love to have you. And they would see all the things that mom and dad would make. Oh, Herb, I love that one there. And he goes, you do? Yeah. Here, it's yours. They were a believer of giving. But my mom loved Christmas. She would decorate lights, angel hair. Freddie, don't touch the angel hair. It'll cut you. It does. But she was a special woman who loved Christmas. And multiple times throughout our times on Christmas Eve, I would say, Mom, what would you like for Christmas? And she would answer, Fred, all I want for Christmas are my kids to be with me. Years ago, I, I didn't seem to get it. I'd buy her a robe, give her some slippers. Years go by, Mom, what do you want for Christmas? Oh, Fred, all I want for Christmas is for my kids to be with me. You know what? I get it. Mom loved family. God loves family. Mom loved me even while I was in her womb. God loved me. before the world was even created. In fact, he loved me 
before Genesis 1-1. Because in heaven, in the preparation for this event, I was on his mind. For in him all things were created, things in heaven on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Folks, you are created for God. You are on the list of things that he wants to do in his everyday life. I want to spend time with Fred. I want to spend time with Fernando, with Kim. He's a social God. He's a loving God. He's a personable God. But see, unfortunately, before the earth was even created and this plan came into place in heaven, there was an angel by the name of Lucifer. He had a better idea. He wanted to be like God. In fact, he wanted to be God. And so he started to spread lies and break down God's character and influence the other angels that God is unjust, that God is unloving, that God, he is not a caring God. And his influence and lies were so real that he convinced a third of the angels to believe him. Can you believe that? In the book, Patriots and Prophets, the, the very first chapter, and it's called, Why Was Sin Permitted? Have you ever asked yourself the question, why was sin permitted? Well, I don't know about you, but I've talked with other people, and they said, man, if I was God, I would just annihilate Lucifer right there. Any other buddy have any complaints? Any takers? Could you imagine what heaven would have been like? The fear that would have been instilled in the angels? Don't get them upset. Oh, you'll get the laser. You open up that book of why was sin permitted, and the very first three words that are printed on that page is, God is love. His nature, his law, his love, it, it ever has been and it ever will be. There's no question about it. There's no doubt about it. The high and the lofty one that inhabiteth eternity whose Ways are everlasting. 
changes not. I change my mind a lot of times. God doesn't. God doesn't change. Every manifestation of creative power is an expression of infinite love. When he creates, he creates with the intent to express his love. As the giver, as well as the recipient. The sovereignty of God involves fullness of blessing to all created beings. The history of the great conflict between good and evil from the time that it first began in heaven to the final overthrow of rebellion and the total eradication of sin is also a demonstration of God's unchanging love. There you go, folks, in a nutshell. God is love, and he loves you. He loves you. You know, I can't get my hands around the concept of God's love, can you? I can't. No matter how hard I try or when I study with children in Bible studies, I cannot relate to them the awesomeness and the power of God's love. It's going to have to be something that I'm going to have to experience firsthand when I get to heaven. In fact, I'll even be honest with you this morning, okay? There are some things I'm going to talk about this morning I don't get. I don't understand it. And you'll know when that is. And I'm sure that a lot of you have had questions that you don't understand. But I have learned, even though I don't understand it, it doesn't make it wrong. Because God is truth. And his word is truth. And they may not even have the mind and the capacity to even understand God's truth. I got a mind like a pea. Okay, a bean. I'll give myself that much credit. A bean. And I'm trying to understand God. Unfortunately, thousands of years have transpired from the beginning of creation to now. And that enemy, Lucifer, is now Satan. And he has continued to spread lies Blasting God's character, creating doubt within the world that he wants us to believe. Because you see, his objective is to keep me from God. One thing I have noticed as a pastor for young couples, and boy, we are blessed with young uh, couples in this church, especially with families. The enemy attacks young families. I'm sorry, but there's a target on your back. Because if he can attack you as a young family, that ripple effect will last for eternity. Be strong. And God doesn't like that at all. He wants to make sure that we fully understand the true essence of who God is. 
Why Christmas? It's a question that we're going to address. But I know for myself, if I were to ask the world or even a child, why Christmas? Their response would be, oh, presents. I love presents. More presents. Keep those presents coming. Well, I gotta admit, I'm a child too. And when I see presents around the tree, I nobody's looking. Come on, you all do it. I was so bad as a child when my mom and dad went out for an evening. My sisters and I would find the presents. I would play with the microscope. The girls would wear the dresses. We'd get them all back in the box before mom and dad got home, and we'd be sitting there when they walked in. Hi. The tricky part was acting surprised on Christmas morning. That's how bad of a child I was. Well, Christmas comes with cookies. Oh, not, not just cookies, but candy. Gotta have candy. Oh, we cannot forget. We cannot forget about the stocking. Oh, man. Not once did I find any coal in my stoppy. Stop. Thank you, Lord. It never happened, and I pray that it never will. But I never experienced any coal because I think that God still loves me. No, I know he loves me. And then, if it was my mom, we got to decorate. Not only the inside of the house, but the outside of the house. But there comes a point in Christmas with the mentality and the world and the influence of others. I got to keep up with the Joneses. Look at their home. That means more lights. I need a bigger table. And then, of course, too, you know, the children are running around and they're tickled and they're pink and they're just excited. But you as a parent sit there and you look at everything you just say, Lord, the financial stress that comes upon your mind. The depression and loneliness that seeps into Christmas. And the one that says, I just wish Christmas was over. <laughs> you, you, you wait. You've all been there. I just wish it didn't even happen. It, 
is that how you see Christmas? I know growing up, that's how I saw it. But it's interesting that if we step back and we address God and say, God, why Christmas? And he enlightens us with what Christmas is all about. God will say, no, this ain't Christmas. That felt good. God says Christmas is the same words now that were echoed over 6,000 years ago. God is love. Are you getting it? Piece it together. God is love. Sir, oops. Sergio alluded to this last Sabbath. I thought, uh-oh, he's stealing my thunder, but that's okay. Just listen to these words, folks. Pretend you're a child, hearing it for the first time. Okay? Pretend you're a child. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means... You know what that means? You. You. And you. He desires to be with us. He desires to be with us. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness and will have the light of life. Do you have the light, folks? John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And here's that text, and I'm going to confess, I don't get it. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God? I can't wrap my mind around that. And I won't be able to wrap my mind around that until I get to heaven to sit at Jesus' feet and say, please, Lord, describe to me what this is all about. I believe it. I believe it. I believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I just can't wrap my mind around it. But is it true? You better believe it is. Because in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Uh, we're going back to that one. God with us. God with us. For 4,000 years, He tried to communicate to His children. And they had the highs and the lows. 
And it was difficult. And God said, enough is enough. I got to go be with my children. I got to go be with my children. And I would give anything right now to be in Michigan with my child. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God is in the business of saving people. Do you call yourself a Christian? Yes. Well, guess what? You're in the business of saving people as well. If you see somebody drowning, would you stand on the shore with a bigger than this life preserver and just look out there and say, kick harder, you're doing good. 30 feet, come on. No. You would provide every opportunity that you could to save the individual because that's what Christ does. And you call yourself a Christian, by golly, you, beware, you better be wearing a lot of those around you. Because we're here to save people. Not me personally, but the Spirit is using me as a conduit to be able to touch the lives of people. Are you hearing it? Are the piecing together? Is the message coming together in your mind? Man, this text is one you memorize as a child, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Charlie, he gave his son for you. Fernando, for you, for me. Why? Because God is love. Everything in this world focuses around those three words. God is love. Whatever you, better, whatever you believe in better lines up with those words. God, if it goes contrary to God is love, get rid of it. Get rid of it. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. The Lord is my shepherd. We are his sheep. We are fortunate to be here this morning in God's house as his sheep. Praise God. But there are those who are homeless on the streets. There are those in our community who are lost. And the only way that God can be able to reach them through the help of the Holy Spirit is through us. You ever heard the, hand, the term that we are the hands and feet of God? I believe it. He wants us to be actively involved in reaching out to those within our community and the world who are lost. Because how will they hear the message? The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
Who's the thief? Satan. See, this is his line of work nowadays. Excuse, but he's ticked off. He knows his destiny. And he's going to take down as many as he can with him. So he doesn't really care about you at all. He just wants to gather you into his camp with lies and deceptions. Anything he can. He'll create doubt in you. Because all he wants to do is separate you from getting close to God. But he says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I like that text because I don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience abundant life. We can experience it now. Right, Charlie? I could stand up here and act like a fool in front of my church family and know that God is good. And that you're patient with me and you accept me for who I am. That's part of the abundance of life is not having to question whether or not you accept me. Hope you do. But God has a message for me to share. That's not doing too good. <laughs> oh, there it is. Okay. We're almost landing this plane, okay? One thing I have found through my 60-some years of growing, my relationship with God through the benefit of working at Hanford for 30 years in the photography field, that there's some similarities here that I have discovered. That as a child of God, I have looked through the lens, but it wasn't completely clear. It was like God allowed me to see, to the best of my ability at that point, who I was where I'm at in this journey, but no more. As I have continued to journey these 40 years of being a member of this church, and I thank the Lord for it. And I thank the Lord that as I'm getting older, I'm beginning to have an attitude as, I don't care what you guys think. Because <laughs> I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm going to say what I'm going to say because God wants me to say it. And in the process, I've noticed, oh, the picture is becoming clearer. Anybody relate? You old fogies out there? Anybody relate? Come on, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm not alone. We got one in the back, gotcha. Right, John? Things get clearer as we get older. 
It's remarkable. I think it's God's gift to us. But I know that the vision will not become 2020 until I get to heaven. And I can see things clearly. This last year, isn't it amazing how when you gather books, I, I know I'm kind of a hoarder at times. Ask Becky. Next week we're cleaning the garage. But I would take books. When I came into the church, I just couldn't get enough of books. I wasn't an avid reader, but books. Becky worked at a dentist office, so I'd sit in the waiting room waiting for her to come out. And of course, in the dentist office, you have all these books on a rack. You swing it around. It didn't look like this, but there was one of those books on there, and it's entitled, To Know God by Morris Vinden. Well, back then, I didn't know who Morris Vinden was. Then I got introduced to him by some audio tapes that a loving family gave to me when I worked at Hanford. Man, this was a gift because, guys, I worked in a dark room. And I could shut the door. When that door shut, that light went on. Nobody could come in. So I had my tape player. And for days, I listened to Morris Vinden. Those of you who know of him, I'll tell you, I was having a revival in the darkroom. I'm thinking my coworkers were probably wondering, what's Fred on in there? Is, he, is that him singing? Ah, it was special in that dark room with Morris Vinden. I fell in love with him. He spoke to me. He was as crazy as I am. But when I read that book, it really didn't make a lot of sense until this last year. I pulled it off the shelf to know God. Huh. Let's take another stab at this. Whew. To know God in five days. This book needs to be on every Christian's shelf by every Christian's headboard. It changed my life. It changed my thinking. It helped me with the concept of the simplicity of the gospel. And that's what it's all about. Morris said that on his guitar or violin, whatever it was, he only had one string that he plucked. Righteousness by faith. Righteousness by faith. He wasn't a great theological speaker out there trying to impress us. No, he was one that says God is love, righteousness by faith, and God's grace. And you know what? We as humans have a hard time understanding that. But Morris, in this book, spoke to me in a way that he gave me clarity especially when it came to the lies that the devil is feeding to us today and that we buy into and that we believe. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm not perfect. But I want to illustrate to you this morning a piece that seemed to be very clear, and of course to me, when I read something, I have to see it. 
which means I have to create it. Ta-da! <laughs> Getting it? One more. Ta-da! Okay, I need my helpers. I need my helpers. Where are my helpers? Don't they look lovely? They are little angels, right? God, man, that's me, that's you. I'm going to have you step back here a little bit for that, okay? Here's the scenario that I understand it to be the case, and I believe it's biblically true. That when I am born, I am born separated from God in my carnal nature. I'm a sinner. I'm still a sinner. But there comes a point in my life that he woos me. God woos me. Why? Because he loves me. He loved me before I was even born. But when I came onto this earth, it was like I had full attention of God. And so he was with me, impressing upon me the importance to connect to him. Because, see, in the garden of sin, we lost something. Man and, and Adam and Eve, we disconnected from God. There was a disconnect. Because of sin, he wants to transform us back into that connection with him and ultimately to be with him in heaven. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to connect with him. I was 18 years old in the basement of a friend when I said, Lord, I accept you as my personal savior. Come into my life. Change me. Help me to be the person that you want me to to be. And I believe at that moment and that time, I connected to God. You see it? I connected to God. Hold it. Hold it tight. Lift it. But guess what happened after I did that in my friend's basement? Man, talk about the enemy attacking me. Doubting God. Doubting my relationship with him. I thought for sure the things that I was doing, he couldn't love me. The enemy wanted me to believe that I was disconnected. I'm not going to do it. The only problem was I was separating myself from God. Step back further there, young man. Because, see, the more I separate myself from God, the more sin has a tendency to enter into my life. I'm not spending time with God as much as I should. I allow people to influence me. I allow the things of the world to come in and create doubt and question. It was my sister-in-law I've shared with you about her. When she came to the end of her cancer, I said, Jan, you're going to be to heaven. She says, no. I go, why? Because I'm not worthy enough. 
Jenny, he loves you. The enemy had convinced her that she was not worth, in her mind, she was disconnected. But fortunately, we didn't leave Seattle that day until she was. Because, see, the thing is no different. Nothing against God here, but... Many times I have used my wife to help paint a picture in my relationship to God. Because she's the closest thing that I love under God. Got it? Let's put Becky here. I'm here. Oh, shoot, let's get together. Come on. Hold it tight, guys. Come on, hold it tight. We're lovebirds. We're lovebirds. Woo! Look at that. June 27, 1976, I said, I do. And we connected. Now I ask you, it's been 41 years. Have we always been this close? <laughs> it's not nice to lie, honey. <laughs> see, see, the thing is, with God, he doesn't leave me. I separate myself from him, but when it comes to us, we separate ourselves. Ooh, honey, get some oil. <laughs> we have difficulties. Come on, marriages. Have you ever had that experience of separation? But the question is, are you still connected? Do you still honor those vows of I do? Through thick and thin, sick and health and all these things. It's like Becky said, this is not what I said I do to. I put her through a lot in my first few years of marriage. With my illness, it was questionable. But she was committed to the connection that she made to me. Even if I were to cheat on my wife, and I wouldn't, there would probably be a large separation between her and me. But is the connection still there? Yes. Can restoration happen? Yes. Does it take work? Yes. But the thing is, we as human beings, in reality, are so much more harder when it comes to that relationship than it is between me and God. Because God doesn't cheat on me. God doesn't leave me. God loves me unconditionally. God doesn't even question me. He knows I'm a sinner. That doesn't surprise him. Thank you, guys. I know it's getting hot in here, so go back to your seats and cool down. You getting it? Are you getting it? 
Is the picture taking shape in your minds of what we're talking about? Because really, I'm just going to say, God, you told me to do this. It's up to them for you to work in their minds to make this message come true. When I discovered this in that little book, it created such a different picture of God to me. Because too often, we allow the enemy to create doubt in our minds that we almost believe that we disconnect from God. We say the words, I'm going to say it to you, can you do anything, anything that God will love you any less? No. Murder? No. Abortion? No. Cheating? No. Will you need help in the process? Yes. But he doesn't disconnect. God is a God who loves us unconditionally. God loves me more than Becky loves me. I am one lucky dude. Sorry, hon, but he loves me more. He loves you too. But can't, let that spill over you. The words that we discussed today, God with us. God is here in this house of his with you. God is with you every single moment of every day whispering in your ear, I love you. I love you. I am here for you. Do not forget that I'm here because the storms will get hard and they will get dark, but I am here. Okay, the wheels of the plane are coming down. Why Christmas? Why? In two days we'll be celebrating a moment. A most remarkable moment. Right? God became a man. Heaven opened herself and placed her most precious one in a human womb. Of all places. Jesus came not as a flash of light or an unappropriate conqueror, but as one whose first cries were heard by a peasant girl and a sleepy carpenter. The hands that first held him were unmanicured, calloused and dirty. Are you seeing it? For 33 years, he would feel everything that you and I ever felt. Weak, weary, afraid of failure. And his feelings did get hurt. To think of Jesus in such a light seems almost ah, irreverent. 
There's something about keeping him divine that keeps him distant and predictable. But don't do it. For heaven's sakes, don't do it. Let him be as human as he intended to be. Let him into the mire and the muck of your world. And believe you me, you have mire and muck because we all do. For only if we let him in can he pull us out. Only if we let him in can he pull us out. Remember this verse, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. I am so thankful that he is with us. I am so thankful that each one of you can have him in your life. But those of you who are lost and you feel that you don't, please don't wait any longer. See me, Pastor Serge, a worship leader, anybody, Jesse, God is calling you to him. God is willing to throw you a life preserver and say, I love you, son, I love you, daughter, I am here for you. That's why this church is so crucial, because we rally around each other. I know personally I couldn't have functioned with my MS and eye surgeries and kidney stones without you. And I know the kidney stones weren't pretty. But boy, they were painful. But you were there to help me through it all. You are the hands and feet of God. When I hug you, I know God's hugging me. And I thank you for that. So this Christmas season, let him in. Make him real. Make him personal. Even in the mire and the muck of your life, 